chapter number fifteen of april's lady this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver b c april's lady by margaret wolf hungerford chapter fifteen hey ho sing hey ho unto the green holly most friendship is feigning most loving is folly did you forget asked dysart looking at her forget that the last dance was mine oh was it i'm so sorry you must forgive me with a feverish attempt at gaiety i will try to make amends you shall have this one instead no matter to whom it may belong come it is only just begun i think never mind says dysart gently we won't dance this i think it is cool and quiet here and you are tired oh so tired returns she with a sudden little pathetic cry so impulsive so inexpressible that it goes to his heart joyce what is it he says quickly here come and sit down no i don't want an answer it was an absurd question you have overdone it a little that is all yes that is all she sinks heavily into the seat he has pointed out to her and lets her head fall back against the cushions however when you've come to think of it that means a great deal says she smiling languidly there don't talk says he what is the good of having a friend if you can't be silent with him when it so pleases you that laughing and arranging the cushions behind her head is one for you and two for myself i too pine for a moment when even the meagre yes and no will not be required of me oh no shaking her head it is all for me and nothing for yourself she pauses and putting out her hand lays it on his sleeve i think felix says she softly you are the kindest man i ever met i told you you felt overdone says he laughing as if to hide the sudden emotion that is gleaming in his eyes he presses the hand resting on his arm very gently and then replaces it in her lap to take advantage of any little kindness she may show him now when it is plain that she is suffering from some mental excitement grief or anger or both would seem base to him she has evidently accepted his offer of silence and lying back in her soft couch stares with unseeing eyes at the bank of flowers before her behind her tall fragrant shrubs rear themselves and somewhere behind her too a tiny fountain is making musical tinklings the faint tender glow of a colored lamp gleams from the branches of a tropical tree close by and rounded pale downy moths are flitting the sound of their wings as ever now and then they approach 
too near the tempting glow and beat them against the japanese shade mingling with the silvery fall of the scented water the atmosphere is warm drowsy a little melancholy it seems to seize upon the two sitting within its seductive influence and threatens to waft them from daydreams into dreams born of idle slumber the rustle of a coming skirt however a low voice a voice still lower whispering a reply recalls them both to the fact that rest complete and perfect is impossible under the circumstances a little opening among the tall evergreens upon their right shows them lord baltimore once more but this time not alone lady swansdown is with him she is looking rather lovelier than usual with that soft tinge of red upon her cheeks born of her last waltz and her lips parted in a happy smile the subdued lights of the many lamps falling on her satin gown rest there as if in love with its beauty it is an old shade made new a yellow that is almost white and has yet a tinge of green in it a curious shade difficult perhaps to wear with good effect but on lady swanston it seems to reign alone as queen of all the toilets in the room to-night she looks indeed like a perfect picture stepped down from its canvas a thing of beauty a very vision of delight she seems indeed to joyce watching her joyce who likes her that she has grown beyond herself or rather into her own real self to-night there is a touch of life of passionate joy of abandonment of hope that has yet a sting in it in all her air that though not understood of the girl is still apparent the radiant smile that illumines her beautiful face as she glances up at baltimore who is bending over her in more lover-like fashion than should be is still making all her face a lovely fire as she passes out of sight down the steps that lead to the lighted gardens the steps that joyce had but just now ascended the latter is still a little wrapped in wonder and admiration and some other thought that is akin to trouble when dysart breaks in upon her fancies i'm sorry about that says he bluntly indicating with a nod of his head the departing shadows of the two who have just passed out there are no fancies about dysart nothing vague yes it is a pity says joyce hurriedly more than that i think something ought to be done nervously yes flushing hotly i know i know what you mean she had meant nothing but it is so difficult to know what to do and i am only a cousin oh i wasn't thinking of you i wasn't really says she a good deal shocked as you say why should you speak when there is beauclerk says dysart quickly as if a little angry with somebody but not certainly with her how can he stand by and see it perhaps he doesn't see it 
says she in a strange tone her eyes on the marble flooring it seems to herself that the words are forced from her because because he has she brings her hands tightly together so tightly that she reduces the feathers on the fan she is holding to their last gasp because she is now disappointed in him because he has proved himself perhaps unstable deceptive to the heart's core is she to vilify him a thousand times no that would be indeed to be base herself perhaps not says dysart dryly in his secret heart this defence of his rival too detestable to him something in her whole manner when she came in from the garden had suggested to him the possibility that she had at last found him out dysart would have been puzzled to explain how beauclerk was supposed to be found out or for what but that he was liable to discovery at any moment on some count or counts unknown was one of his christian beliefs perhaps not says he and yet i cannot help thinking that a matter so open to all must be patent to him but anxiously is it so open i leave that to your own judgment a little warmly you with rather sharp question are a friend of isabel's yes yes quickly you know that but but sternly i like lady swansdown too says she with some determination i find it hard to believe that she can can be false to her friend supplements he have you yet to learn that friendship ends where love begins you think that she is in love with baltimore and he oh contemptuously who shall gauge the depth of his heart what can he mean he has risen and is now pacing angrily up and down the small space before her he used to be such a good fellow and now is he dead to all sense of honour of honesty he is a man says joyce coldly no i deny that not a true man surely is there a true man says she is there any truth any honesty to be found in the whole wide world she too has risen now and is standing with her large dark eyes fixed almost defiantly on his there is something so strange so wild so unlike her usual joyous happy self in this outburst in her whole attitude the dysart regards her with an astonishment that is largely tinctured with fear i don't know what is in your mind says he calmly something out of the common has occurred to disturb you so much i can guess but looking at her earnestly whatever may be i entreat you to beat it under conquer it do not let it conquer you there must be evil in the world but never lose sight of the good that must be there just as surely truth honor honesty are no fables they are to be found everywhere 
if not in this one then in that do not lose faith in them you think me evidently in a bad way says she smiling faintly she has recovered herself in part but though she tries to turn his earnest words into a jest one can see that she is perilously near to tears you mean that i am preaching to you says he smiling too well so i am what right has a girl like you to disbelieve in anything why laughing it can't be so very long ago since you believed in fairies in pixies and the fierce dragons of our childhood i don't know that i am not a believer in them still says she in the dragons at all events evil seems to rule the world tut says he i have preached in vain you would have me believe in good only says she you assure me very positively that all the best virtues are still riding to and fro redeeming the world with lances couched and hearts on fire but where to find them in you it is a very gentle smile she gives him as she says this yes so far at least as you are concerned says he stoutly i shall be true and honest to you so long as my breath lives in my body so much i can swear to well says she with a rather meagre attempt at light-heartedness you almost persuade me with that truculent manner of yours into believing in you at all events or is it a little sadly that the ways of others drive me to that belief well with a sigh never mind how it is you benefit by it anyway i don't want to force your confidence says dysart but you have been made unhappy by somebody have you not i have not been made happy says she her eyes on the ground i don't know why i tell you that you asked a hard question i know i should have been silent perhaps and yet at this moment the sound of approaching footsteps coming up the steps startles him joyce says he grant me one request one you rise to tragedy says she as if a little amused in spite of the depression under which she is so evidently laboring is it to be your last your dying prayer i hope not nevertheless i would have it granted you have only to speak says she with a slight gesture that is half mocking half kindly come with me after luncheon to-morrow up to st bridget's hill is that all and to throw such force into it yes yes i shall enjoy a long walk like that it is not because of the walk that i ask you to go there with me says dysart the innate honesty that distinguishes him compelling him to lay bare to her his secret meaning i have something to say to you you will listen why should i not returns she a little pale he might perhaps have said something further but that now the footsteps sound close at hand 
a glance towards the door that leads from the fragrant night into the still more perfumed air within reveals to them two figures mr beauclerk and miss maliphant come leisurely forward the blood receding to joyce's heart leaves her cold and singularly calm end of chapter fifteen recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver b c